Welcome to the life of Jesus, term three, session 24. We're going to pick up where we left off, following Matthew chapter 8, verse 29. William Hendrickson says that they, the demons, recognize Jesus as being the Son of God. And they know that on the day of the coming judgment, their relative freedom to roam about on earth and in the sky above, it must cease forever. And that their final and most terrible punishment is destined to begin at that time. What a way to live, knowing that that's your end. Hmm? Knowing that judgment is your end. All right. In other words, the fallen angels live in constant fear and dread of what is to come. And from this account, we know that it is Jesus that will be the one passing judgment upon them. Now that's a key thing as well. All right, it isn't God the Father, it's Jesus Christ. The, you know, Jesus said, all judgment has been put into my hand. We're going to see that in, when we go through the Gospels as well. All right, which means that all the religious leaders that everybody else is worshipping is going to answer to Him. Interesting, isn't it? I think that's going to be a very interesting day in heaven. All right, now, following the flood and all the extraordinary events that took place during that time, it is important we look at how God restarted the human race. With Genesis chapter 8 verse 8, uh, excuse me, verse 20, through Genesis chapter 9 verse 3 saying, there's a fair bit of scripture here, alright, then Noah built an altar to the Lord, and took of every clean animal, and every clean bird, and, ev- and offered burnt offerings on the altar. Now it is no wonder that Christ was angry with the Jewish leaders because while their ancestor Noah built an altar to him and offered sacrifices on it, they were doing everything possible to offer him up as a sacrifice to their enemies, the Roman government. Interesting, isn't it? Okay. And the Lord smelled a soothing aroma. Then the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake or because of man. Although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, meaning that the tendency toward evil is innate in a person from birth and is expressed early in childhood or youth, nor, okay, nor will, he says, will I again destroy every living thing as I have done. So here is the promise that there would never again be a worldwide judgment on man's domain. Alright, that's important. While the earth remains, verse 22, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. Alright, so God re-establishes the cycle of seasons. Alright, so this is the way it began at the beginning this was prophesied, or this was um, spoken. Now, following the flood, it's respoken in. All right, because so much had happened, and it says, "And so God blessed Noah and his sons, and said to them, Be fruitful.' No, watch this: be fruitful and multiply." Where was that command given first? Genesis. Remember that. All right, it's back. So He says, "Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth." So it was God's design that mankind should quickly spread over the entire habitable earth in order to exercise proper dominion over it. Now see, that is a key thing. Alright? Again, He put man here for a reason. He was to dominate. He was to subdue. He was to take care of this. Okay? And so God's saying, alright, get back into that role that you were given. That was your job. Get back to it. Okay? Interesting, huh? And so, and the fear of you 
And the dread of you shall be on every beast of the earth, and on every bird of the air, and all that move on the earth, and on all flesh of the sea. I'll talk about this in a minute. Ross says humankind now lived with the reality of killing. And so the animal world would be afraid of humans. This is kind of where we went, hmm, chicken dinner, KFC. You know what I'm trying to say? And the chicken goes, uh-oh, he got them drumstick eyes. Let's go! <laughs> We're dinner tonight, you know? But when they said they're inviting us to dinner, it's us! Okay, and see, this is where... Now, here is a place. Before this, man and animals... Remember God created man? He created the animals. They were to be their friends and they were to communicate. And because Satan used that against mankind to cause his fall, not only were the communication centers of their brain and their vocal cords and all that changed so that we can't talk to them anymore, alright, in the way that we were meant to, but now... It's getting, it has come to the place where animals are actually going to be afraid of man. And this is the beginning. And you wonder why animals run from you, generally speaking. Okay? All right? It's because of this. Because God said. He said, this is how it's going to be from now on. It's a very sad thing, isn't it? Okay? That, that what God designed to be, you know, and I see that in, you know, in the pets that I have, you know, how, how sort of friendly they are. And, and I always think, if these were not my pussycats, they'd be running Absolutely. from me. If I was to reach out to touch them, they would just freak out and run. They do that with other people. Not everyone, but you know. All right? Because they don't know. Again, this, is, this is the reason why. It's built into them. It's a self-preservation. Okay? And so it says, they are given into your hand, verse 3, every, more, every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. Now isn't that interesting? Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. People say, oh no, God said we're all meant to be vegetarians. Uh, read Genesis 9.3. Are you getting this? Okay? So when people try to make you feel guilty, there's your scripture. No, don't eat it. No. There's a limit to what you eat too, okay? <laughs> Just say that and move on. Alright. <laughs> he says, I have given you all things, even as the green herbs. Now notice he says, just as much as I gave you everything in the area of plant life, you can eat anything there. He's saying from now on, you can eat anything that runs as well. Okay? Alright. It was a sad thing. It was a sad time. Alright, so for the first time, animals are authorized to be used as a, a source of food. Again, contrary to what some groups believe and teach. And it is a continuation of this that we see in Acts chapter 10, verses 9 through 16, where it says, And the next day as they went on their journey, drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop, remember the old housetop, okay, vision, everybody knows this one, right? Okay, to pray about the sixth hour. Uh, when, then he became hungry and wanted to eat. See, Pete is a Jew, right? Okay, and so God's saying, listen man, you need to go to the Gentiles. And when they serve stuff in front of you, don't be rude. Bottom line, that's what he's saying. We can read all sorts of things into this. We can go into Old Testament and look at all the stuff and the three toes and the five feet and the six elbows and whatever. I don't want to go there. Okay? <laughs> let's, just, let's just keep it. Yeah, let's just keep, I know. Just, just keep it simple. 
Okay? The Lord is saying, and I'm sad to say I have seen this. I have sat next to a person that was served bacon and eggs and said, called the waitress over and said, please take this away. I mean rudely, not nicely, rudely. And, and uh, said, take this away. I'm not going to eat this. A Christian, a minister, somebody that actually teaches in Bible college and stuff. And so she said, um, and she was so pleasant. She said, I'm sorry, sir, what's the problem? You know, what, what can we do? And said, I'm not going to eat this. Take it away. I'm like, wow, I'm going to slap him? And then I thought, no, then I'm out of love. But God will understand. No, <laughs> okay? You know, some days, you know, you can thank me later, God. You know, and I just thought, wow, just, no wonder people think Christians are screwballs. I wouldn't go to that church. You know? And I mean, he was so rude. And, said, and she said, what would you like? He said, oh, I'm not going to eat this. Bring, you know. She said, can we bring you something else? And what would you like instead? And I mean, she just went on. And, and he was just being so offhandish. And she just had to go through a whole menu before he said, yeah, I'll have that. Wow. If I had an issue with that, I would have just left it aside. I may have called somebody and said, listen, is there any other choices beside this? Alright? And, and if the person said, well... And uh, let me just share this with you for a minute. You know, etiquette. All he needed to do was say, I'm sorry, uh, I have an issue with eating stuff like this, you know, because, because of my beliefs. And I'm sure the lady, I mean, she was so pleasant. She would have said, I'm so sorry, sir, what would you like? Let us know. And I would have said, well, what is there? You know, is there anything that I can have? Or is that pretty much it? And, you know... She would have done exactly what she did with it. It could have been a much nicer conversation. Not this rude, arrogant, you want to slap the person in the face kind of thing. And say, well, we're Christians. And we're gathering together in Parliament House, which is where it took place. Because we're standing up for what is right and godly. And we're going to show people that this is what a Christian is like. Thank you very much. So this is what God is saying to Pete. Don't be stupid. Don't be arrogant. Don't be an idiot. Okay, I know your Jewish upbringing. I was there. <laughs> you know, hello, okay? Right? You know, Jesus was a Jew when he was born, okay, right? Although God so loved the world, he gave his only son, and all the Jews missed it. Even when a Jew was saying it. You know, and so this is, this is all it is. It is not only, listen now, it is not only Peter's license, alright, to go in and be gracious about anything that is served. May I suggest you pray over the thing in tongues if you have to. Okay, but don't be rude. There's a way of doing things. You can say no to things without being rude as well. Do you understand? Okay? But God is saying, you know what? You don't have to say no. It's okay. I'm looking after it. Amen? Okay. When we get to the, to the incident with the woman at the well, you know, we're going to see something very interesting. Because the Jews were not meant to have any contact with the Samaritans because it would make them unclean. Because the Samaritans were doing unclean things. 
Alright? But it's very interesting that Jesus was able to do that. Because as opposed to the Jews who would touch an unclean thing and themselves become unclean, Jesus was the thing that would touch an unclean thing and sanctify it. And that's who we are. We are to touch the unclean thing to sanctify it. Not to take pleasure in it, not to go crazy with it. We are the sanctifying power in this earth. Do you hear what I'm saying? So when you act like that guy did, like a turkey... You know what? You're just showing everybody that you are just religious. There's no power in your life. Huh? And a few other things which I don't want to go into right now. Anyway, let us move on. Okay. (laughs) So, let me read this now with new eyes. The next day as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up to the housetop to pray about the sixth hour when he became hungry and wanted to eat. Uh, excuse me, then he became hungry and wanted to eat, but while he made ready, he fell into a trance. And saw heaven open, and an object like a great sheet, bound at the four corners, descending to him. Okay, so you can, are you getting the picture? Okay, bound at four corners, and it's coming down. Descending to him and let down to the earth. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. Turning the page. And a voice came to him, Arise, Peter, kill and eat. (laughs) Now, you know, that's clear to me. What part of that do we not get? He said, get up, kill it, eat it. Okay? It's alive, kill it, eat it. Okay? And now this parallels Genesis 9.3. When the Lord said, every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. Remember this? We're going back now. It's very interesting, alright? Um, and let's us know that this was specifically about food. Not just about ministering to the Gentiles, which the phrase, kill and eat wood. Alright? So now, the thing is that, like I said, this was permission for him to go and eat whatever was put in front of him. All right, Paul is going to have a bit of a day with him in Galatians about that. Okay, but anyway, verse fourteen. But Peter said, "No, <laughs> no. See here. Okay, here comes a Jew. Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean." Hello. <laughs> okay. All right. This was done three times, and the object was then taken up into heaven again. Three times. Peter, a little slow on the uptake, huh? He says, take it. He goes, no way. He goes, come on, dude, do it. No. How many times did Jesus have to say, do you love me? Three times. How many times did Peter deny deny him? Three times. times. Okay, there was a chicken there to witness it. (laughs) All right. Without going into details. All right, so. Let's move on. So, all I want to do again is bring out the fact that in this age, all right, the only thing that is required of you, it's not about the kind of food you eat, is that you give thanks to God for it before you eat it. Some days it's essential that you give thanks. You need a little sanctification to take place. All right. Now the next significant appearance of Christ is in Genesis chapter 11. This is 748 years later at the Tower of Babel. With verses 1 through 9 saying, Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. 
all right, or one set of words, or one vocabulary spoken by Noah and his family. And it came to pass that they, the families of Noah and his children, journeyed from the east, and, uh, that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they lived, excuse me, and they dwelt there. All right? And since their population had grown to the point where they no longer needed to concentrate all their attention on the production of food, it goes in the same. Now let me stop there for a minute. <clears throat> when they first were populating, the main thing is you've got to have something to eat. When the curse has fallen, flood has come, okay, we have to regrow things now. If it's not there, remember when God first put man there, everything was there. Man, every tree had fruit on it, and it was just, you just, anywhere you go is a buffet. Now it's all gone. We have to restart, we have to replant, and if we don't do something, we're going to starve. And so their first concern became food. They needed to eat. So they all got into farming, needless to say, okay, raising uh, sheep and cattle, whatever, okay, we needed food on the table. But as time progressed, as more people, see you don't need a lot of people to do this, you just need a certain number to do it, as today, okay, and then you can go on to other things. This time has come now, where, okay, enough of people are farming, and looking after herds and whatever, now we can go do other things. It's a bit of a... You know, we have to be careful the other things we get into. Here we go, alright? So, <clears throat> it says, in verse th uh, 3, Then they said to one another, Let us uh, make bricks and bake them thoroughly. Um, <clears throat> they had bricks for stone, and they had um, asphalt for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city. <clears throat> Excuse me. To promote a self-sufficient society. Now, I'm, I'm, I've in, inserted a whole lot of things here to give you what's going on without a lot of commentary. Okay? The commentary is within the verse, so you catch it. Alright? So they're saying here, Come, let us build ourselves a city. Alright? The point being, to promote a self-sufficient society no longer dependent on God. Okay, this is what Dad was saying in the break, alright? And a tower whose top is in the heavens that would dominate the city both architecturally and culturally and would serve as the focal point of the political and religious life of the population. Are you catching this? Okay? And be a symbol of their unity and strength. Not about God, about what we can do. Okay? Watch what we can do if we pull together. How many times have you heard that? If we just pull together, we can do this and we can do that. Here it is. Here's the origin of it. And why then it goes and they say, he says, they said, let us make a name for ourselves. Not let, let's not, you know, um, <laughs> worship God. Let's not exalt Him. Let's exalt ourselves. Let's make a name for ourselves. Now, let me stop. I've got to preach here for one second. Okay? What is the drive to, in today's society? You're pushing your kids. Make a name for yourself. Get out there. Work hard. Do something. Leave a mark. It's all about you. Hmm? It's not about what you were destined to do. It's not about... God, what did you plan for me to do? What's my part in what needs to be done in order for all of this to go back to the way it should be? And it's coming. It's happening regardless. And do I want to be a part of that or apart from that? Alright? And most of humankind or mankind 
wants to be apart, apart from it, as, a, as opposed to take a part in it. Do you understand? Or be a part of it. And we need to be that, that group of people that stand up and say, this is not about us, it's about God in us. Alright, we need to do stuff, because only God knows what needs to be done. And us doing our own thing, is all it's going to do is keep people distracted. All of the technology in the world today has one purpose. Distraction. If you can be distracted long enough, you let your life slide right past until it's too late. And then, you know, Charlie, you can be also as sorry as you want to be. It's over. You get pushed to the sidelines. Hmm? And Satan goes, well, that was that. <laughs> Got rid of them really quick. All right. <clears throat> Technology is not a bad thing. Alright? We're going to be using it to do what we need to do. And God's going to open some doors. And I can see where we're going with some of the things that we're doing. And, um, you know, we've had some very good input from some of the teachers and so on and so forth about the technology that exists now. You can make virtual worlds. And, you know, I, I saw a movie that was made with just this kind of a setting. And... But what you saw was a spaceship and stars and all sorts of things. And all it was was all of this technology that was built around this little table and a chair. <laughs> okay? <laughs> Alright? Which is incredible. And so we can do stuff today that is amazing. But so can the devil. The race is on. Amen? We, have, we need to be smarter, wiser. And we need to take what God has put here and make the most use of it. And if God made it, then He can tell us how to tweak it and how to do more with it than anybody else on this planet should be able to figure out on their own. Amen. Moving on. So again it says here, let us make a name for ourselves. Now watch this. Lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. Remember now God said go out. Spread out. They're saying, we don't want to. <laughs> okay? We want to make a name for ourselves. We want to say, here. Hello. Oh, this is waving a red flag. Okay. At, at the Lord. Verse 5. But the Lord came down. That's bad when God has to come down. To see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. Now, Morris says here, uh, that here God was taking the situation under direct observation and consideration. Also, Ross points out that no matter how high they, uh, they towered, the Lord still had to descend to see it. Don't you love that? <laughs> I had to put that in. I, I read that, it just brought a smile to my heart. Okay, and I thought, isn't that amazing? No matter how high man goes, God still has to come down to see what you're doing. Amen, amen. Man, we, we serve the Most High. Amen? And we, him. <laughs> exactly. And you know what? We are seated at His right hand. We are seated in heavenly places. That's why no matter what man builds, no matter how much he boasts in Christ, you still have to look down on their accomplishments. Okay? You have to look down to see what they're doing. Always remember that. Verse 6, And the Lord said, <clears throat> Indeed, the people are one, and they have all one language, and this is what they begin to do. 
Now, nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Literally, nothing they propose to, uh, to do will be out of their reach. Now, this is God speaking. Remember I told you, we still don't understand the capacity of mankind. We still don't understand that God made us in His image, in His likeness. Okay, His intellect, His everything. And we can do crazy things. Okay, so an unregenerate man, a person that is not born again, one that is not being directed by God, can do a lot of damage. Are you all here? Okay. Verse 7 says, God says, now come, let us go down and there confuse their language or give them different languages that they may not understand one another's speech, even though their thoughts are still the same. Now, this is really interesting, all right? Even though their thought processes are not being disrupted, their communication is getting disrupted. So I can still build, I still know how to build something. But I open my mouth and I say, we need this and you hear what? We don't understand what's coming out of your mouth. Interesting, okay? Smart, isn't it? He doesn't take their intelligence away. Because they're still in his image and likeness. Remember, they still have a will. Clever, huh? Doesn't take that away from them. Just makes them, they can't understand what anybody is saying. He's so clever. Verse 8. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth. This is God's um, answer to we're not going to move. We are going to stay here and make a name for ourselves. Mm, and God says, watch this. <laughs> okay? And ta-da! And we don't know what the heck you're saying. You know what? I'll go live somewhere else with the people that I can communicate with. Because I don't know what you're going on about. And no matter how much you wave your hands, and no matter how much you raise your voice, it doesn't help me understand what you're saying. Have you noticed how people get loud? Uh, if they can't hear, understand you soft, don't bother getting loud, they still can't understand you. You're just irritating them now. Just the point. Anyway. <laughs> so, it says again, the Lord... Okay, scattered them abroad from, uh, from there over the face of all the earth, and they ceased building the city. Therefore its name, that's the tower, is called Babel. In the region of the ancient Babylon, from Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, giving them many languages. This is where the languages came from. And from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. So here we see the beginning of languages. We see the beginning of all the different races. Again, you can trace everything back to the Word of God. Everything. People say, well, where did they all come from? Here's the beginning. Alright, this is where the Chinese, the Japanese, the everybody came from. You guys. There it is, okay? There was an ancestor there that started speaking your language. And the Italians. <laughs> you know, everybody. And the Sri Lankans, you know. There's <laughs> a Alright, so... Now, <laughs> since it was the Lord who gave men their various languages and dialects to begin with as recipients um, of the mind of Christ, theoretically, we have the potential within ourselves to actually understand all the languages of the earth. Did you catch that? Because Jesus is the one that started all this, because He is the one that gave them all the languages, it came from God. We didn't make Him up. God gave them the languages. 
Interesting, isn't it? It was a gift from God, okay? All the languages are His gift to us. Alright? It came in a funny way. Ideally, we should have, we should have been able to communicate on different ways in different, in different ways. Okay? And just have that variety of communication. Rather than a separation. Do you understand? Okay? Now, I love this. If God's the one that did that, and He understands everything, then we now have the potential to understand it. Watch what happened in Acts. Take this now and slap it bang against Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Now notice before, they said we, won't, we want to be in one place. God said scatter. Alright, guess what? They come back. This time in God. Those are rebellious people. These ones are worshipping God. Okay, watch now. And suddenly, there came a sound from heaven. As of a, a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Let's jump to verse 6. And when this sound occurred, the multitude who were gathered outside the, okay, the upper room came together and were confused. Watch this, because everyone heard them speak in his own language. There is a complete reversal of the Tower of Babel. Okay? At the Tower of Babel, they couldn't understand what anybody was saying. Now, they're all speaking different languages, and they all got a universal translator. And they're going, I understand what everybody's saying. It's like one of those Chinese movies. Have you ever seen them? You know, the lips go, and they go, darn you. <laughs> and you think, are you sure that's all the guy said? And then he goes, two things. And he goes, I'll come over and kill your dog, you cut your dog and your, your grandmother. And he goes, wow, that was a lot said in two words there. Okay. <laughs> that was what was happening. These guys are talking, and what they, their mouths are moving one way, and they were hearing something totally different, without subtitles. It was all dubbed in their language. And that's something. That in itself would have been a miracle. See what's going on? Rebellion brought separation. They came back to God. Jesus paid the price. And unity comes back. Interesting, isn't it? And they all understood. Let me just say this to you. People have experienced this firsthand today. They have gone into regions. They cannot speak the language. And God has, just, just, God has said to them, Just preach in tongues. And so they have started preaching, and the people have understood every word they said. They got saved, and the preacher didn't know what he said. No idea. And they would come and say to him, You, you speak good English, or good my language, whatever it is. <laughs> okay, good Swahili. Where did you learn it? He goes, I have no idea. I don't know what I said to you. Okay, so that is gone now, if we can tap into it. But we have to do it by faith, because we don't want to open our mouth and sound like idiots. Hello, hand up here, okay? But can I just say this to you? If you're ever stuck somewhere, just remember, the guy that came up with all the languages is living in you. He can do it. Just let him. We walk by faith, okay? Not by sight or our hearing. All right. And so it says here, 
<clears throat> Everyone heard them speak in his own language. Verse 7, Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? That was not a compliment. <laughs> Remember, can anything... Well, that was Nazareth, wasn't it? Anyway, alright. And he says, and, and how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Wow. Alright? And then they go on to list over a dozen other nationalities and tongues, including Asians, Egyptians, Arabs, Romans, all of which they could understand. With verse 12 going on the same, we'll have to stop here. <clears throat> so they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Now, as we move from Genesis chapter 11 to Genesis chapter 12, it is important to make note that a period of about 2,000 years has just been covered. Therefore, from Genesis 12, chapter 12, to the end of the Old Testament is only another 2,000 years in total. I'm saying this because, okay, that, let me just read this first. That is why it's a little disappointing that more wasn't said about this time period and what was actually going on, especially with the giants and demigods, the offspring of women and angels that were roaming the earth. We need to understand that half the time in the Old Testament, time-wise, was spent with people that we would consider Gentiles. Please catch what I'm saying. Because people think God is a Jew. Alright? 2,000 years He dealt with people that were not Jews. And only starting with Abraham, and before Abraham became a Jew, he was a believer. Do you understand? And it is because he was a believer, that's what made him special with God. Not anything else. Okay? That's why the Bible talks about the fact that only those who believe like Abraham are his children. Not bits of things that you cut off. It's if you believe like him, then you're his kid. Okay? It says Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Alright? So we, th that's why we have to be so careful because just like circumcision, so is baptism. If you don't believe before, Getting you wet is not going to get you to heaven. Just saying. Amen? It's all about your faith in Him. That's what gets you saved. That's what makes you His kid. Let's stop there and pick up next time talking about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Hallelujah.